Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We're caught earlier today with Paul Cronin. He's the CEO of Adriatic Metals, listed on the ASX and here in London. And he talks us through their plans since we last spoke to them in October and what they're going to be doing with the cash they raised in 2021. If you want our thoughts and opinions on the conversation, their plans, the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. We can also find detailed company reports and analysis. There are summaries of other interviews that we've done just to save you some time. There's training videos on there to help you with your intelligence process. And there's wonderful commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of commodities and companies uh, to which you might enjoy. Um, plus, there's a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, friendly, safe environment. I hope that sounds nice to you. It does to us. Uh, go join them at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Paul Cronin, how are you, sir? Good, man. How are you doing? Not too shabby. Not too shabby. Where in the world are you? I am back in the UK for the first time in about seven weeks. Oof, uh, exhausting. And, um, yeah, locked in the little box outside the house in quarantine. Right. Oh, right. So you're having to quite self-isolate, are you? How the family I feel am, about yeah. that? They love it. Yeah. You know, they just um, do they. You know, I'm over when they want something. Can I buy this on Amazon? <laughs> They yell it through the door. Fantastic. Okay. Well, at least you're home. I mean, that's pretty exhausting being, you know, on site for long periods of time because it's just a different environment. I don't think people realize how shattering it can be mentally and physically. Yeah. So I, I made the decision last June when they released the uh, COVID restrictions in Bosnia that just given the amount of work that had to be done, the um, coordination that needed to be happening, uh, that I was going to relocate. And so I have, as of November, become officially a resident of, of Bosnia and Herzegovina. Oh, wow. Um, uh, and I'm spending, you know, on average six on, two off. Um, so I'm out there for six weeks and then back here for five days of quarantine, uh, unless I test COVID positive again, in which case it's 14, um, uh, and then back to site again. You don't want it for the third time, do you? No, not really. I didn't like it the second time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit tough, isn't it? A bit tough on the yeah. old body. But you, are you yeah, feeling yeah. what you're feeling recovered now? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, a little, little weary sometimes. Mm. But um, other than that, uh, you know, 15 minute power nap will sort that out and I'm good as gold. Oh, always. I love it. Good as silver, I should say. I'm not going to say good as gold anymore. It's good as silver. Oh, you, you polymetallic CEOs just can't make your mind up. It'll be good as, good as copper next week. Um, shall, shall we talk sure. about you? <laughs> let's give us let's give everyone that one minute overview of the company, and we'll pick it up from where we picked up uh, left off last time. Okay. Sure. So, look, you know, obviously the expiration effort uh, started to wind down at the end of last year. Um, we received our much-awaited extension to our concession, and so expiration is going to recommence uh, in April uh, on that on that very large area. We have a number of targets that we're ready to just walk up and drill right now, um, but we are waiting for additional geophysics and geochemical data to come back in uh, to to validate uh, to validate those plans. Um, obviously, the the drilling program in Serbia going very very well, um, pounding it out there at the moment as best we can in in you know alpine regions. Um, 
but I think generally everything's going pretty well. The company's getting its permits, um, you know, slowly but surely they're all coming through and both, most importantly, they're coming through on the critical path. So we haven't seen anything that would force us to defer uh, the commencement of construction this summer. Um, so that's going really well. Uh, and all in all, I think the team's building out well. Uh, we've obviously brought some new investors uh, into the company with EBRD and, and, and QRC, um, both very, very supportive um, uh, investors in the company and delighted to have them there. Yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot has happened since we last spoke. Talk about validation. We had a conversation last time around the numbers you used on your PFS, right? You're using spot at, you know, at market price. Um, there's a lot of chat about it afterwards. Do, do you feel validated? Um, look, I don't really feel anything. I, you know, as I said at the time, um, prices are what prices are. Um, you can, you know, you can go uh, and be very optimistic, and and companies do that. Um, or you can take a consensus view, which is typically in markets like this a little bit pessimistic. Well, you can say, look, do you know what? We're, take, we're showing the project at a snapshot in time. This is what the prices are right now. This is what I know I can sell this material for. Um, yeah, we're going to use that. And, and that is, I think, thoroughly defensible. Obviously, the prices that we used at the time in almost all of the commodities that we're selling, uh, those prices have increased and some of them quite substantially. Um, as we're doing the DFS, um, we've obviously already set those prices for the NSR cutoffs for the mine plan. Um, they are slightly high. That doesn't mean we're going to use them in the economic analysis. Um, you know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge as we get further uh, closer to, you know, to putting the financial model together. Um, uh, but I, you know, I am generally fairly bullish about commodity prices. And, and I think in, in June or July last year, I gave an interview to uh, S&P uh, where I where I called a commodity super cycle, and I'm, I'm really pleased that, that you know the likes of Robert Friedland and others have jumped on my bandwagon. Um, uh, and, he, he's got uh, so and much to learn that that Friedland guy. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. much. Yeah, that's good. So, we're talking copper, uh, obviously. Yeah. So you know, we're we're. I think I'm. You know, I don't recall in my working career a time where we saw such loose fiscal and, um, uh, and monetary policy. And mm. I think that will translate ultimately into inflation and that is what is pushing metal prices at the moment. It will continue to do so. Um, how far that goes for and how long, um, look, is anybody's guess. But what we will do um, is in conjunction with the Zenko and with our marketing team, uh, in our upcoming de definitive feasibility study, we'll use pricing in which you think is realistic and sensible. Um, it may not necessarily agree with consensus estimates, but as, I, as I've always said, um, you know, I'm not a great fan of consensus estimates because just too many variables there. Right. I mean, around that debate, we were saying, well, how does that um, affect your ability to go and raise money? Now, clearly it hasn't. Sprott were doing a lot of buying last year, all through the year. You've got Queen's Road Capital, Warren Gilman, um, he, he's nobody's fool, is, has jumped aboard, uh, giving you 20 million bucks. And EBRD as well, who are quite conservative, typically giving you another 8 million bucks. So it hasn't affected your ability to raise capital. But I wonder, were you happy with the terms, uh, the structure? You did a convert? Yeah. I mean, the, 
the the QRC deal was designed specifically to just give us a little bit more breathing room in terms of the work we wanted to do on exploration at Raska, uh, in terms of the upcoming exploration at Varish, um, without always having to worry what you know the share price might do or what short-term impacts there might be on COVID or any other economic or macro-level disruptions. Um, the terms of it and the way it was structured, and Warren and I um, did this very deliberately, uh, what is that it's designed to just be to fall away when the project financing package comes together. Now, we've been working on that for several months. IMs are going out the door. Um, models are going out the door very shortly. Um, we have a, an array of different lenders and institutions that are interested in funding the project. Um, uh, and, the, and the QRC note gives us the ability to take a bit more time, get that financing right, even if it means we don't close it until after we start construction. Um, but if we're certain we're going to close it and we just need to tweak a few things, then we can get there. And it allows us to keep the project moving. Um, you know, Warren was very clear. He does not want his note to be a shackle around the company, and it's not commercially or contractually. Um, it's a fantastic product that he's actually created, um, and it's a product that's perfectly suited to companies like ours that are moving ahead really, really quickly, um, but don't necessarily want to go out and tap equity markets again too soon. Um, so it converts at two dollars eighty a share, I think, is the is is the price. That's a huge premium from the point where we, you know, it was thirty percent premium from when we uh, did the arrangement with him. Um, that's given us a lot of leeway. Uh, and then, of course, EBRD. I mean, EBRD, you're right, they are nobody's fool. They are a very sophisticated organisation, particularly in their resource investment space. Um, they hire, uh, you know, very competent consultants to perform technical reviews for them. But what they also do is a very, very detailed review on how the company is operating in terms of CSG platforms. Now, for us, we've obviously been working on that for two years with, with Critical Resource in London. Um, all of those platforms are now being rolled out. You've obviously seen we've received our environmental permit. We're now doing land acquisition. We're doing that in line with EBRD's guidelines. Um, you know, they, they came in and they liked what they saw. They liked the way we are building that social licence, that symbiotic relationship with the local community. Um, and as part of that, there's been a whole array of different things that are being rolled out. Right now, we're finalising our procurement policy, which says buy local. You know, not just buy local, but buy local from companies that are willing to move their, their facilities into our local municipality um, to create more sustainability in terms of the economy and more jobs and more growth in the region. The same with our human resources policy, which says we're going to hire you know, younger kids out of university and we're going to train them up um, and we're going to augment that with more experienced guys who can teach them and train them. And our entire organisational culture rollout from a HR perspective is designed to create this safety culture within the company um, that we think we can operate, you know, very safely moving forward. And then the third uh, part of that, and well, actually in addition to that, we've, we've just last week uh, announced locally that we, with EBRD's help uh, and with a group in, in the UK called Globe 24-7, have started Bosnia's first high school mining course. So you can do mining as a subject at the Barish High School. Um, EBRD are helping there, Globe 24 ourselves, um, in trying to 
basically take these kids who might be 14 or 15 going into their last few years of high school and saying, do you know what? You don't necessarily have to go off and go to university. What you can do is a vocational course. Um, and then out of the back of that, you know, there's likely to be a job for you in, in Barish. You don't have to go, go anywhere else. You can stay living with mum and dad. Beautiful. I mean, that, 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 that's a good one. I want to come back to that. I promise I will come back to that because I, I, I'd like that as part of the big ESG drive that we've got going on here. And, and I'll ask you about that one. Can we just come back to the financing, please? So I'm interested in how CEOs like you make the decision as to the type of money and the cost of the money going forward. So this is obviously a convert. You talked about, you know, converting at 280, which is brilliant, 30% premiums when you did it. Um, Queen's Road Capital, they are very good at doing these structured financing deals. Very good. So they've, done, yep. they've done a bunch of them, okay? And we've seen them, you know, with um, with a few companies in Canada as well. But does, do you think they'll take up the option of taking an equity position or will they want to just cash in? I mean, how, how involved are they with this project, first of all? And sec secondly, you're going to want to get rid of this as quickly as possible. So coming back to the terms, is it at your option or theirs in terms of when you refinance this out? We can force conversion um, if the share price is above a certain level. Um, uh, we can force redemption uh, on project financing. Um, I think that Warren, you know, he's QRC is becoming quite high profile in itself and he has some shareholders with very, very deep pockets. Um, I would suspect, uh, you know, that, that he would likely convert um, rather than being redeemed on that note. Um, but it's hard to be certain uh, of that. I mean, that's, that's obviously a decision for them uh, at the time. We will certainly work with them uh, on, 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 you know, getting the optimal outcome. Um, uh, but in terms of the, the broader financing of the project, I mean, the first thing I did um, quite some time ago um, was I, uh, I set about um, looking at a, a project financing model that said, what is, my, what is my real debt capacity? And the debt capacity of the project's quite high. Um, so I think the corner piece of the work that we're doing with uh, both Tamasis and Terra Franca on, on the project financing um, is obviously the debt component. And we've had a number of discussions with, with various parties around that. Um, and that process is, is, is you know, now kicking off uh, fairly freely. The other component, the remainder, so if you assume it's going to be about 65% debt um, on, the, on the project capex, the remainder is where we are undecided. The remainder is do we go down a route of equity, pure equity, go out to institutions and do a placement. Um, at our current share price, that would be my least attractive option. Um, do, we, do we go out uh, and look at um, uh, prepaid offtakes, uh, which is something we're doing at the moment. So we're finalising concentrate specs based on the new mine plan. Uh, and we're having a number of discussions with various groups around that. And then you've got groups that are interested in offtake and providing funding, uh, both debt and prepayments. And then you've got groups that want to do part of it a stream, part of it a royalty. There's a whole array of, of different options here. And the way we've got to look at it is obviously number one, cost of capital. Um, that's easy. That's just mathematical. Uh, number two is in the consideration of the project and how it's evolving, um, 
and how long we think commissioning is going to take and, you know, what are the potential risks associated with getting that first cash in the door? Uh, how much flexibility do we need from our potential lenders in terms of repayment profiles and whatnot? Um, obviously, the project cash flows, are, are, you know, from the PFS are very good. You'll see in the DFS they're improving uh, in the early years. Um, uh, you know, it gives us a lot of options to keep a, a pretty flexible product there. Um, and what I don't want to do is ever back myself into, into too much of a corner. Um, you know, if we can keep flexibility to move the project forward in a rapid timeline to get that cash flow in the door quickly and retire that debt quickly, that's what I'm aiming to do. Okay. So you're feeling quite in control at the moment, but that's because the, the phase that you're at, there's no decisions really to make. These are just conversations, right? Um, so to, talk us through what 2021's about, because I, what I want to get to is when you start sort of firming up on the economics, when you are going to have to work out what is possible, what's happening in the market, because we've talked in the past about, you know, you know, I think you talked about 100% payment on gold and copper. We've talked about barite and, you know, how you deal with that in the, in the, in the market as well. So what are you going to be doing this year to kind of firm up on economics? Well, what I'm doing right now in, in conjunction with the geometallurgical work that we've done is a complete mineralogical assessment of multiple multiple mine units. Um, that, that, all of that testing work will take about 70 days. It started in early December. So, you know, it's, it, it's getting, getting there. Um, and that's being done in, in Cornwall. Um, that's going to help us with our commissioning um, so that we can be much more certain about recoveries. Um, I think, you know, with gold, recoveries are better than they were, um, but they're still not great. Um, you know, we're only recovering roughly about 69, 70% of, of the gold in the resource. The rest of it, unfortunately, is going into backfill. Um, with copper, we get great copper recoveries, but we get terrible copper payabilities because you're selling it inside, you know, a, a silver concentrate. And so these are discussions we'll be having with the smelters about can we sort of try and improve this a little bit? How can we move this around? Um, and those discussions are already started. Um, we, we have got a team now that are working on that, working on the barite, working on the uh, on the concentrate sales um, to try and maximise those those revenues. Um, uh, so the decisions around that are kind of iterative as information starts to come in and we start to get you know more firmer um, firmer actual costs and we, we are already seeing the, the quoted costs that are coming through, uh, you know, particularly that are Bosnian generated costs um, are a lot lower than what we had anticipated they would be. Right. Um, uh, uh, so, you know, these, these, this model will continue to evolve and what we've said to the lenders is that we're going to basically continue to issue updates of the DFS model as it continues to evolve. So it won't be sort of a big bang, here it is, now you go and do your work, you do your work and just tweak it. And let's face it, this is a project with lots of headroom. Um, it, it, you, you know, the, the banks can come back and say, well, we think gold's gonna be 1100 and silver's gonna be 10 and whatever. It really isn't gonna affect the repayment profile too much. Um, not on this project. No, I, I would agree with that. I'd agree with that. You, you've got you can flex in various directions, but not in all directions at the same time. So you've got to work out the balance. 
obviously. I, I'm just intrigued at you know the level of detail that you're going to feeding, be feeding back into the market, you know, across this year. You know, because we again, I think we talked last time about the the um, salvage value at the end of life of the, of the plant, for instance. You've got to put a number on that. You've got to. It, it's a gruesome detail required this year, isn't there? There is, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and we have even in the PFS, we did work out that salvage value and that and that reclamation cost in quite a lot of detail. But in in reality, is um, you know, I'm about to. I've just been awarded Bosnia's biggest ever mineral concession. Um, I've got an exploration team that have a big budget and a lot of capability, and we are going to be going crazy this year. Our 2021 exploration budget in Varish alone is 8.6 million pounds. That would be the envy of almost any junior to have a budget available like that. Also in Raska, um, use 6.3 million pounds. Uh, this is a big budget designed to add lots of tons and lots of mine life. Um, so yes, at the moment, we've got a 15 year mine life, but I, you know, I'm not thinking about, you know, salvage value in my plant. I can tell you, I'm thinking about how do I extend it for another 15, 20 years? Well, if you do do that, that's when it gets exciting. Because again, from our work, you suggest that for each year that you can extend the life of mine, you're adding another $100 million to the value of the company. So it potentially, I mean, you, you, you know, you're thinking on the grades. Yeah, yeah depending on the grades. Yeah, 200, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, we could, we, <laughs> we could, you, you can deliver a lot of value this year through the drill, but through, um, you know, ex not just extending the life of mine here, but the, the exploration component. So the, I'm, I'm intrigued. So what do you, what do you do with all those pounds that you just mentioned? Pounds sterling I'm talking about. Well, the first thing we're doing in, in April, um, as soon as we have enough snow melt and, um, we almost got there last week with, with three days and 15 degrees, um, is we're going to fly in, um, um, that airborne coupled with the geochemical work that we've been doing over the last three months um, has already identified a number of walk-up targets. Um, uh, so we'll add all that data together. You've got to bear in mind that we know so much more about Rapitza. We know so much more about it structurally, geochemically than we did when we first started doing exploration, when we were throwing a few holes out here and there and everywhere else, just looking for what might be going on. Now we know what to look for. Um, and I am confident. Um, and I know there are other Australian mining companies that are confident because they've been trying to peg around us, uh, is that that will repeat. That will repeat that system. Um, and have they now? We just got to Tell me it. about that. Who's pegging oh, look, around we, you? We just got a report that, um, uh, uh, that uh, the municipality was asked to uh, declare a, a new concession area um, very, very close to us and think in fact contiguous to us in an area that we we, we didn't want um, uh, by a, a company based in West Perth. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're aware. We, we always knew that once that exploitation permit was issued, the juniors will come. Um, now, you know, we've, we've got that first mover advantage. We know how to do this. We know how to do it quickly. We've got the staff. We've got the contracts with the drillers. We've got the relationship with government to be successful. And most importantly, we've now got the land holdings to deliver. So that, that expiration concession is a 10-year expiration concession. That gives us plenty of time to add a whole lot of value to what we're trying to build here. Okay. And talking about exploration, you, at a time when the market was just a little bit tighter, 
terms of ability to raise capital and possibly you know, because of the, the, where you were as a company. You did the Tethian acquisition and that, that closed last year. And that's going to give you, I get a bigger land package, more ground, more exploration potential, et cetera. But um, Fabian's gone. Holly's obviously very upset, but uh, what happened there? Well, um, uh, Fabian is obviously an entrepreneur. Um, he's a geologist. He's put together a fantastic land package in southern Serbia. Um, he sees himself as, as a, a CEO. Um, I don't think he was quite ready to come into a bigger group um, with, a, with a, you know, a narrower scope. Um, and he has now, um, you know, as at the end of January, he's, he's now embarked on a, on a new path. Um, delighted, however, um, and Holly will also be delighted because he's quite a dashing young chap. Uh, we brought in Tommy Horton um, as our head of IR and business development. Tommy started last Monday, um, and I think Tommy's going to be a fantastic addition. In fact, you know, we're, we're really seeing a, quite a, a strong build-out in the team. We've got our plant manager um, who will be responsible for commissioning uh, starting in, uh, in April, uh, first week of April. Um, uh, we're actively recruiting our technical director. We're actively recruiting a number of other senior roles um, for the company. We're trying to build up that team early. So we finish the as we finish the feasibility study and we start to go through construction um, uh, and, and make sure that everybody knows what they've got to do. You know, the day we turn the switch on that plant. No, I, I get the building of the team. You're moving through a different phase. You're going to need new, new skill sets and you've got the capital to do it, which is fantastic. But with, with the Tethian asset, okay, you've, you've brought on their team as well as the, um, their assets. And I'm assuming the integration is going, going well. Obviously, Fabian's off to do new, new things new elsewhere. Um, how much money are you allocating to the Tethian components? So it's, it's about £6.3 million on expiration this okay. year. Um, we have started environmental baseline mm. um, uh, at Raska, um, and we've deployed our very, very strong social team uh, in Varish to Raska to start scoping that out. We're about to hire a, a, social, uh, a social coordinator there um, dedicated in Raska who will start working within the local community doing exactly what we did in Barish in terms of how do we build that social license. Well, we start at the, we start at the local level. Yeah. Um, now, I, I've been to Belgrade. I've met with the Ministry for Mines. Um, you know, there is very strong support at the top of the Serbian government um, for our type of company, a company that does things well, um, that hires locals, that looks to build local economies around those projects. Um, but to be successful, you've got to have that support at the local level, and that's where we're initially going to focus. Well, let's come back to that. You did mention it earlier. Okay, you, you talked about in the broadest context ESG and what you're doing locally, and you're buying local, and you know changing your your purchasing um, mandates or internally. Um, and you talked about this school component. What, what, what's that? Is that being set up as a charity type function? I mean, how? How are you working? No, so so that is just being done with development funding from from EBRD um, uh, and a little bit of funding from us around two and a half thousand euros. Um, the 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 work that we're trying to do locally and 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 to understand it, you've got to understand Varish. Varish was a mining town. 
1990, it, it was thriving. It had 30,000 people. Over the next 25 years, that population has gone down by three quarters. Um, and as a result of that, you've now got an aging population <clears throat> who are still there. You've got a young population that don't have opportunities. And in the middle of all that, you've got an environmental legacy from historical mining and, and logging um, that needs some attention. Uh, and so in, in terms of our addressing of that, um, you know, the company does lots of little things. We sponsor this and we help with that and, and they're all sort of very small community awards. What we wanted to do was put something with a little bit more <coughs> robustness and firepower around how we help fill those gaps in the local community. Um, and we have now lodged with the, with the courts in Zanichar to establish a charity called the Adriatic Foundation. Um, I am transferring uh, a number of my shares in Adriatic into that foundation. So you're not selling um, shares, you're just transferring them over to another party, okay. Well, I'm transferring ownership to that charity. But my point um, is we shouldn't read anything into that other than what you're doing with this charity. You're not selling no, it down. Okay. No, see, so 250,000 shares um, uh, is, is basically being donated. Um, that, that is me giving a bit back, um, quite frankly. Um, but, you know, in addition to that, um, it will invest with other NGOs and with government on addressing those key issues of education, of environment and of health. Um, now, we're not there to replace government. Um, the, you know, the Varish municipality will receive tens of millions of dollars in tax revenue as a result of the project. Um, but there is a still, you know, that tax revenue won't come in until 2024, 2025. So there's a need to start addressing some of these issues now because, you know, what we don't want to see is bright kids coming out of the local high school, going off to Sarajevo to university to do a law degree or an engineering degree or whatever, and then coming back to, to Varish and having no opportunities and can't find a job and they end up going and working in a, you know, in a, in a factory in Germany. We want to create those opportunities because we believe that, that that is truly what sustainability is, right? You've got to address it not just economically, you've got to address everything socially. Um, and if you've ever been to Varish, it's probably one of the most beautiful places you'll ever see on this planet. Um, you know, there is, there is a, a legacy there that, that people don't like of forestry tracks that have never been reforested, um, uh, of, of, you know, just rubbish that's been strewn around from, from previous industrial operations going all the way back to the Austro-Hungarian Empire. We're saying, well, you know what, we're going we're gonna to try and create something where you as a community, because the community run the charity, not us, if there's four independent trustees from the local community who are going to do that. The company supports them with administration and whatnot. Um, but they're going to make the decisions based on a set of criteria that have been outlined by Critical Resource on where the where that charity is going to invest. And we think, you know, that that is ESG in practice, right? We always talk about ESG. It's the big buzzword in the mining industry. You know, every junior's got a slide on it now. We, we, don't, we don't want to be a part of that cliche. Uh, we want to actually show it working and in practice and demonstrate that mining companies and local communities can not only coexist, but they can actually benefit each other. Um, and that's what we're trying to demonstrate on the Varish project. And ultimately we'll do the same on the Rascal project. That's fantastic. I mean, we, we've talked to a number of CEOs recently about this and how you go about doing it. And you know, sometimes it's uh, just some white Western guy trying to tell 
some locals his version of what he thinks ESG looks like, and they're doing it without the involvement or participation of locals. They're not really answering local problems. So you've got a slightly more holistic approach to the way that you've, you're piecing this together. I mean, who are you working with on the ground? Well, so we set up an ESG committee at the board level. Um, so that's chaired by Sonella Carriage, our non-exec director who lives in Sarajevo um, and, he, and he's Bosnian. Um, but we're also working with EBRD on it. We're working um, with other charities in and around Varish. Um, but we've built up a really strong ENS team um, that are identifying these things uh, for, for potential improvements. We've got a public liaison committee now with the, with the local community who give the feedback, feedback on what we're doing, feedback on what the community is doing. Um, and we've got very strong relationships through you know, various levels of government into you know what are the what are the plans for that for that part of Bosnia. Um, collectively, when you bring all of that together and you and you get guidance from a from a group like Critical Resource and 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 our prime contact is Edward Bickham, the former head of corporate affairs for Anglo American. Um, you know, those teams are helping us build our own. Um, capability and our own knowledge about what we want to achieve and how, and more importantly, how do we want to achieve it? Because it's all well and good to say, well, we're going to, you know, invest in this, but we need to make sure the way, the manner in which we make that investment is totally transparent, totally fits in with our governance procedures, not only just complies with all of the relevant legislation, but is above reproach. Um, that there can never be any accusation, well, the company did this because it was in the company's benefit because of the relationship with this person. That's what we're trying to make sure. And that's the G part of the, of the ESG work we're doing. I'm looking forward to seeing what you do with that and how that work, how that builds out over, over time. Um, one more finance question, if you don't mind. Samfar, big shareholder, potential buyer, potentially. Um, can I ask you about why do you use CDIs uh, as instruments? Because um, you seem to do an awful lot of them, a lot of announcements about CDIs. First of all, maybe explain to people what they are and then why you use them. Yeah, so as a UK company, um, to list on a foreign exchange, which we listed on the ASX first, um, rather than issue shares, we issue what they call chest depository interest, which is just effectively, it's a share, it's one for one, but it is an instrument that can be traded on the ASX. Um, Sandfire, when they have taken up their shares, have always asked for CDIs rather than shares. But at the end of the day, it's underwritten by a share. Um, yeah, look, Sandfire, um, you know, do have 16.2%. Um, they are continually exercising uh, their anti-dilution right, um, which shows their ongoing support uh, for the company. What their intentions um are, I think, is to develop their, their Botswana asset. Um, and, uh, and that asset is, is looking very, very interesting. I think they've done a lot of work there this year and they're starting to get uh, a really good handle on the potential scale of that. Um, so, you know, obviously the, the relationship with Sandfire was a little bit frayed toward the middle of last year. Um, uh, but, um, you know, I think with the the settlement has come increasing dialogue between the two companies and, um, you know, we're comfortable in our relationship as, um, you know, a junior developer uh, with a strong um, supportive shareholder. So you'd have a drink with them, but you wouldn't necessarily pay for it. <coughs> um, 
<laughs> Matt, uh, I you know I always pay for my own drinks, um, unlike you. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I it would be very difficult to have a drink with them right now, given the you know COVID restrictions. Exactly, exactly. Hey, Paul, nice run through. Good to catch up. I'm glad you're well. I am genuinely glad you're physically. Uh, well, your mental state is another matter, but we should uh, we should catch up soon because there seems to be a lot going on. You're going to be um, putting out a lot of announcements, it seems, around the economics metrics and so forth, because there's a really good sense of where you're going, which direction you're pushing these these option uh, this optionality of yours. Uh, great project, doing a cracking job. Hope 2021 um, is as good as 2020 for you. Yeah, man, I think 2021 is going to be a big year. Um, obviously, working very hard on the DFS. We've got a lot of news flow coming out on that. Uh, project financing, expiration, both in Varish and in, in Raska, fully funded to deliver on all of that work. Um, uh, so, you know, I think uh, this is the year for, for Adriatic. I think this will be a defining year for us. Um, we'll be able to demonstrate that we can put our major miles, our, our cornerstone project into production fairly quickly. Uh, and obviously we've got a pipeline of assets in Serbia uh, that will be continuing to advance. So all good. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.